This is the Proud American Podcast, and I'm your host, Johnny Joey Jones. After eight years in the Marine Corps and deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan, one of the things I enjoy most now is getting into the outdoors to hunt or fish. These experiences are always best when you can do it with good friends and good people. Today's guests are just that. My friends, the Robertson family, are the proud Americans who won over the country in their hit reality TV show, Duck Dynasty. And if you watch just one episode, you know duck hunting, faith, and family is what they believe in. I joined Phil, Cy, Jace, and beardless brother Al in West Monroe, Louisiana for an early season hunt. Afterwards, we sat down for fellowship and let's just say an entertaining conversation. So, we are here in the uh, unashamed lair with uh, one of our good friends, Johnny Joey Jones, Triple J. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a joint podcast. Uh, Joey has a podcast called Proud American, and then, of course, we got Unashamed, and so we're just kind of sharing the space. Welcome. I think those two things go together pretty well. I think they go really well Thanks for having me. That's exactly we got to have you. We actually went on a teal hunt. Yeah, so I haven't heard the report, so I'm sure... Uh, I'm going to tell you the report. There's a tropical depression. <laughs> Another tropical depression. Right through the middle of our duck hole, and we basically went out there and, and got wet. <laughs> you didn't even get a good sunrise. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing not to get any teal, but at least you get a good sunrise normally. You yeah, didn't it was even get actually that. a weird morning. It was legal shooting hours, and you couldn't see. Mm-hmm. The fog was so thick. The fog, I think, is what got us. So, basically, we did the next next best best thing to shooting tail. We listened to size stories. <laughs> so I apologize for that. I, I wanted to interrupt and say I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. What did you think, of Uncle Sai? Because I mean, everybody everybody always wants to meet Sai, you know, because of yeah. the show. So you actually were spend a couple hours with him. What what is your take on? Because he's a military you can, guy. You like can you, be honest because he'll, he'll never he'll, watch. He'll never watch. He's not going to watch this. <laughs> I had I had two takeaways. One, he has ever bit the person TV said he was, mm-hmm. which is, I thought was pretty awesome. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> well, <laughs> colorful. Yeah. And two. I've met him before, you know, I'm from North Georgia and uh, there's some hillbillies up there and people that just have that same kind of personality uh, that I grew up around that. Right, right, And right. so I can take it in stride. I really enjoyed it. I was a little uncomfortable because I was thinking, what What are you thinking? When he was talking about the, the Vietnamese carrying the 2,000-pound engine <laughs> across the lake. I and mean, they were, what were you thinking at that moment? Logic, logic says no. <laughs> well, because the they were stacked on the shoulders, right? That's that story when they were yeah, all they under. They were stacked on the shoulders. <laughs> I was wondering what were you thinking. I, I was thinking that's been a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking uh, my brother is a lost ball in the high weeds. <laughs> well, he fits in perfectly for sure. Uh, and we also have Keith, who's just off camera, who's uh, Joey's brother-in-law. And uh, so so the story, tell the story about the the duck call, yeah. how Keith had the duck call. And that, I, thought, I found that fascinating. Well, you know, I grew up. I grew up going to dirt tracks and racing. So my family, my dad was done uh, killing things by the time I came around. And he was the oldest and had two younger uncles. One was the mechanic that could just build any engine. The other one was the driver that could drive anything. And so my dad being the oldest was the funder that could pay for it. (laughs) And so we grew up as a dirt track racing family. Um, But same thing. Yeah, we all lived next to each other. My nanny and papa lived on the hill and we all lived around them and we ate dinner together vacation together worked yeah. together and you raced guys were together. like us yeah well i mean we were duck dirt yeah. and duck hunters apparently dirt track racing wasn't as uh 
It's a little bit, it was redneck. Yeah. You know. Uh, like, we're not. <laughs> He's saying maybe it wasn't as lucrative as duck calls turned out to be for us. But yeah. it wasn't because of the duck call. Just, well, it was borderline miraculous. But anyway. and, and that's the thing. My dad's a brick and block mason. So we, my youngest uncle worked for him. And it, I'm, it was just great. It's euphoric childhood. Yep. But I never got to hunt. And so when I got hurt, my wife and I got together. And I'd known her from 20 years ago. We dated in high school. So I knew her brother, Keith. And when he and I became friends, the first thing I did after I learned to walk on these legs was I needed something I could do. And I need something I get out of the hospital and get away and just have fun and do. And he took me duck hunting. And, man, I got hooked. And I really learned to duck hunt because of him. He taught me how. And he told me years ago, you know, just as fans of the show and watching you guys, because we were stuck up in D.C. and y'all were the closest thing to home that yeah. we could bring in on the TV. Right. And, you know, we'd sit back and watch and enjoy it. And, and he told me a story that uh, he told me about Duck Commander when all I knew was Duck Dynasty. Yep. And he said that he had bought a duck call years ago. And because uh, he, he lives on a far, in a farmhouse that his granddad had. Uh, he was, I believe he raised goats there. And he, a couple hundred acres and uh, near a river, so it's a lot. It's great duck hunting property. Yep. And he said he had bought a duck call from you all and filled out a card and sent it in. And I believe Phil, you gave him a call and said, "Hey, how's that thing doing?" Or, or asking about what was on the card. That seems crazy. Uh, it does. It, it sounded so crazy. I was like, then I figured it must have been some somebody. Maybe it was from the Willie era. What did that? Because it was a. But we used to be real. You know, back in the day, I mean, people would send us letters. They'd have phone numbers. We'd call them up. Yeah. I mean, we were really into. When I first came out with a Mallard Drake call, you have to hum a bass note into it, and it sounds <laughs> sound like a blow for us. Sounds like a Mallard Drake. Well, well if you're a high pitch fellow, I came out with it. And I, mean, said, do it I said, breathe. I said, hum a bass note into this call, or you won't get the sound. Well, people, there was a pretty good-sized throng of people that called up, and they said, boy, you are one slick character. You have this piece of junk. They said, it's a sorry. They said, this doesn't sound like what it is. It's a whistle. Yeah. But if you hum a bass note in it's it, a I said, so I would tell them. They they just the the phone was ringing off the wall. That's true. Sorry, if you'd work the phones, uh, Phil single handedly called most people because yeah. it sent the whole duck hunting world into disruption. I said, <laughs> "Do you have it on you? Do you have it?" And let me hear hear what you're doing. I said, "You notice?" I said, "On when you bought it, I said there's a little bit of instructions on it. it says you must hum a bass note." And they said, "I right, look, I've been duck hunting for 40 years. I, I know what a Mallard Drake's. So they were irate. I said, well, what would you do with it? Do you have it on you? Let me hear you blow it. And they said, no. Nah, are you kidding? I threw the thing in the lake. I just chunked it. For it. I, don't want, I just want to tell you that, you know, I want my money back. So I said, calm down. I said, I said listen carefully. You were offended that they couldn't get it. Really, I said, listen happened. carefully to what I'm fixing to show you. So I would take the Mallard Drake call, and I would hum that bass note, and it would be silence. <laughs> and I said, that's what it's supposed to sound like. That's what you can do Which with it. Which sounds exactly like a Mallard Drake. It is exactly, exactly. Like I said, Mallard. is that close to a Mallard Drake or my dream? And they said, okay. <laughs> I threw it away. Well, yeah. Give me another one. Yeah, so I was double dipping them. 
<laughs> Every one of them I talked to, Sparking instead of genius. 20 bucks, I was getting 40 bucks. <laughs> so I just kept it up. And a lot of them said, what can I say? I'm an idiot. I'm embarrassed. You know what's crazy is then the, our, our uh, competition took the, took the inner parts out of it and basically copied it. Because, yep. Phil, really, you came up with the housing of that whistle. But you sold also the technique because you, if you didn't yeah. blow it right, yeah. So maybe that during all that, because that we used to call people. I remember you used to sit down. There'd be a, a lot of stack of, of messages. People and you would call back. them yep. every I would day, call them which because it's a skill set thing. But the bottom line is, we were the ones that came up with most people just built mallard hen calls. But we came along and and not only did we build the mallard hen. We built the Mallard Drake, and then we said, well, let's make us a wood duck call that sounds like one. Jace hit it oh, a few wow. licks this morning. He yeah. sounded just like one. Yeah. I couldn't tell the difference. He was, so we built a wood duck call. We built a gadwall call. Jace came up with that. Then we built a pintail whistle, a widgeon call. So we just kept Teal. going with yeah. all the species, and everybody was like, what no? Well, because back in the day, everybody – because, you know, talking about rednecks, not some sometimes not real bright. They would blow hen calls at different species of ducks. And Phil was like, why don't we just make a call and get a decoy that matches what we're calling? We'll probably shoot more of them. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems like the most simple thing in the world. That's why this misnomer about you can't call wood ducks. People couldn't call wood ducks. Because they're blowing a mallard hen call at them. Yeah. Well, what? What is and the that? overarching view on all this is to say one thing: proud American, right here, seated <laughs> right there, mm -hmm. in America, you can come along. That's right. And you can come up with an idea, and it, because you have a particular skill set, and someone says, "What are you saying?" We had the ability. We duck hunt. We. It's like playing a piano by ear. We got the sounds that they make. The wood duck sounds one way. The widgeon sounds one way. The pintail sounds. A mallard hen, a mallard drake. So what we did was we said, we'll duplicate. We'll make a device that sounds like what we're trying to get in here. Right. So that's the road we went down. We didn't sign any papers. We didn't ask for any uh, government help. Did you get a small business loan? I didn't get a small business loan. So you started, you said, so you didn't check with the authorities on how to create a business. I just nailed the board up on that old shack next to my house, and I said, I was painting. It was a spray paint, and they said, and they were looking at it, and they said, Duck Commander Worldwide. And I said, I nailed it above the door. In, at an angle. Yeah. <laughs> and we started Look, making so I hope we have a picture of that somewhere. It was the cheesiest, <laughs> just junkiest looking. Here's my point. Proud American. Trust in God. Trust in capitalism. Because that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. And work hard. You say, and develop something so simple as having devices that sound like birds. You say, and you made a living at that? It, it made us millionaires. So yeah. only in America, they can say what they want to. But I'm just saying, it seems to me, you come up with an idea in America, you can take it, you can market it, and you can 
receive hey. great blessings. Well, and that's such a great point. Where else can you take your imagination, your passion, and your hard work and make a, an empire out of it for your family that's and right. for a lot of other people? That's Just right. like we were you talking know. about this morning, doing what you love to do. I mean, I never thought that I would have any money. You know, rather, I, mean, I just <laughs> thought I would, for the rest of my life, I would live paycheck to paycheck. You had to choose between one or the other, what you love doing or, or what you made money And my for. wife, yeah. she would get teary-eyed because every time there was a possibility of making more money outside the duck hunting world, yeah. I wasn't interested. <laughs> it's like when Willie, when Willie and Jace married, when they broke the news to their in-laws, future in-laws, their in-laws said, it ain't going to happen. Well, well the guy that was giving news. Willie, he said, you're not marrying my daughter. Well, it's it like ended up. Look. Yeah. So Willie marries her anyway, and now that guy works for Willie. Well, and then my father-in-law, you know, I was doing an event this last so what well, did larry and peggy say when you said i'm gonna marry your daughter what did they say it ain't gonna happen right he went absolutely not <laughs> and he kind of laughed and i thought well what's funny about that <laughs> i mean i thought this was a formality you know i don't know what that says about my in-laws because i was laying there with with no legs and a and a funny look on my face and they brought all of her clothes and said well she's your problem now so. oh, really? <laughs> That was you, had easy. Whole, you had a completely different yeah. yeah, she's, she's your responsibility now. Well, he actually asked me what I was going to do for a living, and I was too embarrassed to say I'm going to build duck whistles. <laughs> so I said, well, I, I'm actually an air traffic controller. Oh, wow. And <laughs> he just said, really? <laughs> I never said any different, and he's never said a word about it. He ducks flying through the air. Yeah, that's what I meant. But I thought, I a nineteen-year-old air traffic controller. I said, I wonder at what point did he say, "Oh, I get it." Yeah, because he he never has. But what I was going to say, he never got to say the punchline. Yeah, I did at an event a couple weeks ago, because now I go around, you know, and speak, and and I know you do too, and. It was the first time, because it was during duck season, and it was a six-hour drive, and I, I needed a driver. And uh, my assistant, <laughs> which is my wife's aunt, she's like, I got you a driver lined up. Well, I was thinking a driver, you know, yeah. the little black car with the guy. Well, it was it was my in-laws. <laughs> I, guess, I don't think she told me on purpose. We really got to know each other for 12 hours. But uh, they had never heard me speak at, at an event. And I told the story, because I, I normally do, about saying that I'm an air traffic controller, but I was a little nervous about it because I thought, I You're coming clean. Yeah. yeah. But what was so funny, because I, I tell the story that Phil just told, because most people look at us and they say, how did this happen? And they see the TV show, they think, how did that happen? You know, the duck calls, the TV show. Then they see our wives, and they're like, no, seriously. How did that? Happen? Yeah, how did that happen? Hey, hang on, Jess. Let's take a break. Yeah, I just got that question in North Dakota. Well, and so from a TSA agent, because you know they were like, "What? What's up with the beautiful wives?" So I said, "Well, Lisa, you explained it." Well, in my speech, it's basically because I'm not, you know, a professional speaker, but I just I'm real, and I basically what what Phil outlined, you know, when when Phil was introduced to the Lord. It was a life-changing experience that led to a series of events, even moving out here to basically escape his past life and make a new break and forget the master's degree. I'm going to love God, be, be a better family man. And I'm just going to do what I love, you know, hunt and fish. 
So and basically, fund it by fishing. Well, right, the commercial fish is uh, basically. How we made our money. Oh wow! Yeah, in the early days. Yeah, that was how this all got started. But you know, in, in back to the duck calls, it, what I think is interesting, and I say it in a speech, is back in the duck call day when he decided to build the duck call. Basically, and I, I bring my duck calls and I, I go through it because to build duck calls, you had to win the world champion duck calling contest. They do it every year in Stuttgart. So all the duck call makers, or most of them, were people who had won the world champion duck call. And so I that's I, the credential you need. That's the yeah. credential. So here's what's funny: when when my dad got to Genesis nine, he was like in the Bible. It basically is the birthplace of hunting. After Noah, yeah, and the mm-hmm. and the ark, God said, "Hey, anything that walks across flies or swims, you can kill it and eat it." Which Birds is, of the air. So what's funny? I'll blow the duck call. You know, I'll get up there because a lot of people who've won the championship who make duck calls, they said, "Well, the only reason that you are building calls, they call them meat calls that sound like ducks, is because you can't win it." So I got this because you would do it. So we would blow the championship call, which it basically is a routine. You know, they'll. And they, it they goes, carry it for like 40 yeah. notes. In my speech, I do it louder and mm-hmm. as long till I'm literally getting dizzy. <laughs> And then I stop. <laughs> Way beyond and, what a duck is capable of doing. All well, right. And then I say, which is always funny. Ducks do not do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So we have that, a that system. Would, that would say, have you ever heard a duck do that? No. That was your funny. And, and so we, I did that through the speech to them, but it was basically. But that's based, how the competition goes. That's right. It, it basically, so we were kind of the anti, that was like the yeah. anti-establishment. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? He was like the counterculture. He was the Donald Trump. Of, of the duck, duck hunting world. Well, I never thought about that, but you're exactly you right. But it was based on a spiritual decision because basically you read Genesis 9, he's like, well, I'm going to build duck calls that sound like ducks so you can put more ducks on your grill. I'm not worried about this air control, this demonstration yeah. of air control. And it's not that we can't do it because we know how to do that, but why would you want to? Yeah, And so it just... It's a it's a weird thing on how it happened, where it was mainly you're trusting God, you're trying to live off the land, but you actually got an idea that produced the greatest selling duck call in the history <laughs> of the world. It's like, because then all the different decoys would come up, because they're like, well, we got different ducks. The sound, we match them with the decoy, because back then, I don't even know if they sold other kinds of duck decoys, did they? Not many. Not many. Now they have everything. Yeah. And so, and you had all these deceitful things that were happening, like in the wood duck world, where people didn't have wood duck decoys, they didn't have a wood duck call, and so they just pass shot them. Yeah. But, you know, we, you saw this morning, wood duck will light in the decoys. Yeah. We, we did it this No, that was pretty. Yeah. That was real pretty. You yeah. know, where you're from is a lot of wood duck hunting anyway, because that's... Yeah, so that's, Keith... Georgia has a lot of wood duck Oh, yeah. And so, Keith, that's what he has on his property. That's the only thing. I've, I, I've hunted wood duck more than anything. I shot my first mallard last year. Actually, January of this year up in um, Nebraska. But I'd shot at a bunch of wood ducks. Because oh, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. they move pretty good. Well, you know what they yeah. say if well, you're from Georgia and you want to kill other ducks, you know what you got to do? What's that? Move west. <laughs> Go somewhere else. <laughs> They're not there. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's Which, pretty good advice. I like yeah. that. <laughs> Which is funny. So, uh, so, Joey, so the, you know, it's interesting because the dad 
you know, we talk a lot on the podcast about the problems with the internet and social media, you know, because dad's yeah. kind of anti that as well. He's not kind of anti-phone. <laughs> he's he's okay. fully anti. So, but it's funny because Joe and I met by that medium. Yeah. You know, I'm I, glad <clears throat> other people have them. Yeah. Because we reach them via the cell phone. Right. But I'm just saying, <laughs> no, you're overall, right. children and all, and what you see it from what they tell me, they say there's just a lot of things that just not healthy. It's too Spiritual. easy. It's there, too easy. There are a few things that are bad in and of themselves, and we can talk about guns. We can talk about a lot of things right. that can be used for good and used for right. evil, right? And so we're yeah. the, we're the common denominator, human yeah. beings. Mm-hmm. And social media is that way. I I wouldn't have a career without social media. I am a North Georgia brick mason son, and I'm not running for office, so this isn't one of those, but (laughs) who joined the Marine Corps because that was the best opportunity out of town, did well in the Marine Corps, got hurt severely, and now I talk and hunt for a living, just like you were saying. And why is that? It's because there was a medium provided I could reach people, and they liked what I had to say, and I listened to them. Mm. Uh, and so social media is that. I wouldn't have that career, and I I was going to say I wouldn't have met you and you guys without that. But um, what, all good things in moderation, right? And all yeah. good things with the right intent in mind. And we have to keep ourselves accountable there because it's, it's easy to let how you see yourself and value yourself be, you know, tempted or, or skewed by strangers on social media. And yeah. how you follow me, you know how I handle it. I, yeah. I handle it with a little bit of grace and a lot of sarcasm. It just seems a <laughs> Which little. Which is why I like his own. <laughs> it just seems from what I've, I'm just watching others with him. It just seems a little too much. It's too hectic yes. for me to say, I just don't want to dive over into all that. All right. No. No, I can't see you even doing it. I think you The good news age. is if somebody is cursing me or bad-mouthing me via the, the social media, here's a news flash for all of you. I'm not hearing it. <laughs> You're not reading it. But they no. are hearing what you have to say. And that's the platform you've created by being who you are and having the, the friends and family you have. So you're you're on there. And you know, why don't we try loving say. God yeah. and loving each other for a while just yeah. to see if it works? So you're on there, Dad, because those of us around you, uh, Zach and I and others, are engaging people yeah. through you. because So the platform yeah. is there. And, and like you said, it's a good thing. So the first time that uh, that I saw Joey on Gutfeld's show, uh, which is one of my favorite shows on Fox, because it's one of the few lighthearted things on there. You know? and he's, I like when you showed him the, your legs. You Check this out. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> it's my it's remember my, that it's my one parlor trick i'm kind of proud of it y'all gonna what have you, to make me watch to... i'm gonna have to watch the news now <laughs> oh, i was in the dark about yeah, this i era. laughed i said well that dude he has really has a good attitude about yeah. having his well legs. He, he does a lot of self-deprecating humor which i like that too i mean that's what i like about you Joey. you're you make these funny jokes about not having legs, which most people would be like, oh my goodness. Well, you know, there's this meme, I guess, me, me, meme, the, the picture with words on it that says a profound statement that makes its way around Facebook. And it's a picture of me and people have used different pictures. I didn't make it. Somebody else did. But it's a quote from me where I said, you know, people look at me and they go, I don't know how you stay so positive after you lost your legs. And I just look back and say, I don't see how you ever get negative. You have yours. 
And, you know, <laughs> Pretty good point. That's now, that, good. now that needs to be on a T-shirt. Or <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. The point there is you can let something define you or, or you can keep pushing and let it just be a part of who you are. And so my legs are not a big enough deal to not enjoy every moment of life. As a matter of fact, they're a pretty good reminder to do just that. Yep. Yeah. But, you know, I'll say this because I hadn't met you before this morning. And when we was out there stomping around for daylight – and getting into this blind was <laughs> tricky. And I thought, now, how are we going to do this? But what stood out is I thought, man, this guy sure does have a good attitude. I mean, I, I didn't know that about <laughs> you, but I did, in some of the things you said, I was like, man, it just made me realize, good grief, there's a lot of things I complain about. Because it was, it was a challenge to get in there, but you pulled it off. It, and, uh, Keith over there, I'll tell you, it's not – hundred percent of the time and it's not something that you come by easy you know you take some the difference between modesty and humility right humility is not thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less and so um you know when i show up to go duck hunting with you guys that's such an amazing opportunity uh any obstacle between me and doing that is not enough to slow me down or put me in a bad mood and uh but it takes a lot of work yeah Yeah, that's okay though let's take another break yeah, and and that's what I that's what I love about your overall attitude and me. So I started following you on Twitter once I saw you on there. I said, "Who is this guy?" You know, and so then I said, "Oh, he's from Georgia. No wonder I like him. He's a he's a bulldog fan." But Bulldogs. oh, we've already had that conversation. <laughs> I mean, he other than up, that, he's a great. Guy. I saw the license plate. That was our first conversation. I said, "Oh, y'all from Georgia?" And he's like. I know you you love LSU. There's nothing to worry about. Here. We're, not, yeah. We're not threatening you guys anytime soon. Even, like, yeah, okay, yeah. well even, said. Even when we have a good year, you guys tend to beat us. So that's just we've had a, yeah. a good run for Georgia. But you know, all, all na- things come circling. Now, when you're national champions, it, oh. everything's good. That's right. At, at least for a couple of years. So so Joe at my house. Whenever I have a tradition that started back in in '04. Uh, so, because I, I had a, a decor, LSU decorations on my trees, I've been kind of collecting them through the years. And so that Christmas, well, they won the national championship that year. And so I told my wife, I was like, the tree stays up all year <laughs> because it's Christmas every day when you're national champion, right? So I did it again in 08, and, and it's still up at my house now. And I told her, I said, if they don't play this year, it stays up two years. There you go. Because this is not going to stop. It's a Christmas that never yeah. ends. You know, the- I didn't even tell you this, Al, but they there, there was a tube that sent to Duck Commander with my name on it, and they said they'd been staring at it a week. They had sent me a message, and I forgot, because everybody was like, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> and so when I got there, I mean, I was like, well, how am I going to haul it? I mean, it was a big, long tube. And I, I figured out how to get it to my house. And it took me 20 minutes to detape it. And I, I was thinking, I mean, what could it be? And so when I finally got it, and I, looked, I was like, it looks like a fishing rod. And it was a handmade LSU-themed oh, crappie, wow. crappie rod. And it has a I, – I, I'll bring it yeah, if we, gotta, we can fit bring it, it in here it. somewhere. That's pretty cool. But And it was a guy who said he was – you know, he's never been a believer. And uh, somehow or another, because of Duck Dynasty, he stumbled up on our podcast. And uh, he said, I was raised kind of like what we're talking about in the hunting and the fishing world. And he's like, you know, I got to listen to the thing. And it just made sense. And uh, he said, I don't – you know – do a whole lot or have a lot of skills. He said, but I make really good handmade crappie rods. I wanted to send you one, and I figured I'd do it with the LSU theme. But, so I got that yesterday, and I was like, 
Now this is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> so tell tell Joe about the uh, about the rings that that whole deal. His audience. Well, and whoever does championship rings, whoever these people are, it was like a company. They, uh, in Missouri. I think it's the same thing. They they were listening to our show and they sent us replicas of LSU's national championship rings. I think oh, wow. before they even got them, because this was a pretty good while back. Yeah. And it was like hadn't they, they had sent it to uh, some somewhere. They said to weird. your plantation. To yeah, the, uh, so I don't even know where they got that address, but it sat out there for weeks. <laughs> and it was re- the girl that works out there. It was like real heavy. And she said, <laughs> I'm so curious of what's in that little box. And it was like eight rings. Six or eight. Six yeah. or eight yeah. Oh, wow. One for each of y'all? Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, and look, it had her name on it. It was like Robertson, number one fan on the side. So I mean, so like cool. they went to the trouble of so really making it like, personal. But I mean, thing weighs wow. like three pounds. So the people that made the ring sent them? Yeah. They well, did they it. were replicas. Yeah, they, I haven't heard that story. Well, I thought I brought them one day. We we did it on the podcast. <laughs> I've never Failed. owned a ring <laughs> or a watch. <laughs> you know what? Well, you had a wedding yeah. ring. Yours, yours didn't yeah, make it. Miss Kay hawked it for some groceries. <laughs> we fell on hard Seriously? time. She took with the wedding man. She said she got forty bucks for it or whatever. <laughs> and and ham- hamburgers. I remember she bought oh. hamburger meat with it. I said, "Hey, good trade." <laughs> <laughs> How am I just now hearing this story? I knew the story. I, I remember the story. You hocked your wedding no, ring? No, he didn't. Mom this did. This is like ask, Jacob. Ask your mother and she'll tell you. This is like Jacob and Esau selling his birthright for a bowl of soup. I mean, you hocked your wedding ring for some burgers? Yep. <laughs> True story. I'm so sorry we went down this road. <laughs> well, Jace, you were raised in the duck call, so you've never fallen on times when you didn't know where your next meal was coming from. I went through that. Yeah, you've been story. living the high life, son. Yeah, boy, we had it. Boy, we were, as I was walking down the road, we, had, we went through the four year of one vehicle, which I know things could have been worse, but I did walk a few times to my destination. Because now when you see people walking, pushing their little cart, well, that was me for a couple of years. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I didn't think anything about it. Were you and, talking to yourself too? And... No, but people would pull up and they'll say, you need some help. I'm like, no. <laughs> or Joey, we'd be, I'd be in an airport <clears throat> walking behind Dad and Jace or somebody in the family, and they'd walk past and somebody would be looking at one little kid said, look at those poor men. <laughs> like they just wandered well, in, you know. First time I went to my hometown, which I love my hometown. I talk about Dalton, Georgia all the time. But we went into How big a, a town is that, Joey? The county probably forty thousand people, but in the area that we're from, nowhere near as densely populated. And Dalton, Georgia is where all the carpet in the world's made. And, really? and that's really? not an overstatement. Well, yeah. you know. Really? And so it's a cool little town. And so you either make carpet, you make places that make carpet. If you're real adventurous, you take carpet other places. <laughs> oh, wow. And that, that's, that's the job. <laughs> the, the, carpet the carpet capital of the world. The carpet the industry. World. But uh, one of the first times I went home, you know, the local news had done a report on me. And we rolled, I rolled my wheelchair into a restaurant, and we passed this, this older couple. And she goes, look, hon, it's that little cripple boy from the TV. <laughs> And so that's my. <laughs> now, now, how can you not get you know? Offended? Oh, that was perfect. That uh, was perfect. Oh, that, yeah. I am. I kind of am that little cripple boy from the TV. Yeah. <laughs> I like it that you're you've made a decision, which I had to do being in ministry, to be pretty much unoffendable. I mean, oh, that's absolutely. what I always said. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just I, I get, and it is a mindset. Like what, what's kind of moving me though in this conversation is that it feels like our country has become so 
offendable. Yeah, <laughs> everybody yeah. gets offended at everything now. I mean, and I don't know if it's just I'm just now noticing it, or maybe it has evolved to that. But so it's it's a breath of fresh air. Well, it's kind of like you with tre- treasure hunting. You don't know what's around the corner, and people are the same way. And, uh, you know, I don't know what that person has in mind when they say that little cripple boy from the TV. Mm. The least I can do is take the time to find out. You know, they're not inside my head and I'm not inside theirs. You know, I had someone on Twitter one day call me paperclip legs. And I'm like, that's kind of funny when you start to visualize it. You know, they were mad at me because I had choice words for Colin Kaepernick years ago. And um, and so I just started writing back and kind of giving it back to them in a funny way. Like, you know, just making fun of their bad joke. Mm. And you'd be surprised at the dozens, if not hundreds of people that might not say it on Twitter, but into my inbox would say, hey, I'm really sorry for that. Thanks so much for not being mean about it. And, and I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and I'm going to pay attention to what you have to say. And that goes way further yeah. than just to getting a jab back at them. Like, I don't oh, get anything right. from hmm. that. It's good. That's good point. <clears throat> Let's take another break. So, so here's what I find interesting. So on Fox News, you've got You've got you, your contributor, uh, Hegs Heth, and then a bunch of retired generals. <laughs> They're scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> so my, my, my point is, like, I understand the retired generals because you know they're you know they're generals. So, but ha- so how does that happen? Because you, you know you're a marine. Obviously, you know about the military. Obviously, you had this thing happen to you. But how does how did how did you have the communication skills? Not everybody that's in the military winds up on Fox News. So I, I mean, I find that pretty fascinating. <laughs> well, I can't speak for Pete. He's got skill sets I probably don't have. He's done. Really he's got well. a lot of kids yeah. too. He does. He's got a tribe. Yeah, he he's does. He's got a full blown. He does. You know, he should have been a farmer. But and he, but uh, um, <laughs> I give myself a why trouble. Why is that funny? <laughs> <laughs> it is the. But uh, he's got time, like eight kids. Well, you know, farmers yeah. every time you buy land, you have another kid to work it. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but uh, no, for me, it was never a conscientious decision. I, um, if you want to know how I learned to talk, try being the other six foot brown headed white guy in a military town trying to get a date. Like you got to find a way to be <laughs> unique, you know. Yeah. And because you got to develop some personality, <laughs> there you right? Go. And uh, and then also just being an EOD tech, a bomb tech, you do a lot of like presentations and teaching other Marines and soldiers how to do what they need to do and. So those skills came maybe, but for me, when I got hurt, I recovered really quickly, and I wanted something to do. I did not want to be a professional patient. That was the worst thing that could have happened. So, Which, how long, how long was the process? I was injured August 6, 2010. I started college October 2010. I was still in a go-go gadget chair, yep. and I had to talk my notes into my microphone, but I knew I was not going to take bombs apart for a living anymore. Right. I had to put food on the table. So I got injured in August, started school in October, started walking in February 2011, and started working full-time at the House Veterans Affairs Committee on Capitol Hill in June 2011, 10 months later. And I, I literally, not lied, but I finagled my way into that position that Congress thought I was retired, and I was still stationed at Walter Reed to recover, but I'd finished my recovery. I was good. But the military, the paperwork hadn't caught up to me. So the, all the military asked of me was to go in and do therapy every day. So I would go in at 7 in the morning, do therapy till 9, change over, leave the hospital at 9. It'd take sometimes two hours to get there. I'd be at Capitol Hill between 10 and 12. I'd work on the House Veterans Affairs Committee. And then about 4 or 5, I'd leave. 
and go to College Park, Maryland, and go to school at night, 6 to 10. Wow. I did that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Tuesday, Thursday was just uh, therapy and work. And um, and that was kept me busy, kept me going. And then just a lot of things happened that, you know, only God could have made happen. I volunteered for nonprofits, and I ended up working in NASCAR for a year. And um, uh, it just making connections and never looking at someone like an opportunity, but just an interesting person I could be friends with. And so I worked on Capitol Hill during a very volatile time. Uh, it, my experience in the military, being an EOD tech, having those clearances and connections, had a lot of friends in, in uh, the Pentagon. But the pinnacle moment, to make this shorter, if I can. It's all right. It's a podcast. Yeah, it's long go. form. Yeah. You get to tell a story. <laughs> I met a lady that was a producer and had worked at Fox and had become an uh, independent uh, filmmaker. And a nonprofit I was working with, the lady in charge of it, hired this producer lady to do a reality show pilot. And so I met this lady, Jen Williams, that way. A few years later, I was working on Capitol Hill, and this guy, Kyle Carpenter, came in after me. And in the position I created, and with his visibility there, Kyle's award was bumped up to Medal of Honor, which he earned. Wow. And Jen had gone back to Fox and was producing Gresham Carlson's 2 p.m. show, which is when they do all their press briefs. Right. So she called me one day and she said, hey, would you like to come on and talk about Kyle Carpenter? And I'd been mic'd up before, but never live. And I said, sure. Do this one time. It'd be fun. It's 2013. Right. Yeah. And so I mic'd up. I was sitting there. <laughs> and um, and we get ready to talk about Kyle, who's getting Medal of Honor tomorrow. And President Obama gets on the mic and he gives his first address saying that we're going to go to war against ISIS. Mm-hmm. And she goes, hey, while you're sitting here, do you mind to just talk about this? And I'm like, oh, Lord, absolutely. Let me let me call the Pentagon real quick and get some information. So I kind of took my experiences and my knowledge, text a few people, and everybody had tuned into Fox by that point because yeah. the president was talking. Right. And when it cut from Obama, it, there's my face. <laughs> and uh, so I had a chance to do that. Were you nervous at all? Or? Not. I mean, it wasn't a bomb. Yeah. That's what it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm learning a lot about, per- I'm learning a lot about perspective. <laughs> That's today. Right. Exactly. But uh, – no, it was fun and exciting. I didn't have enough time to process to be nervous, or I would have. I mean, there's millions yeah. of people, or the moment was bigger than normal. And um, other producers on other shows saw me. I continued to really become passionate about policy and things that affected my life. Right. And other rights. soldiers. and Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which yeah. was powerful. Um, and so the way I like to say is I don't let my perhaps unique ability to form a sentence outrun my knowledge and experience. Yeah. So if something comes up that I don't know about, it's okay to say I don't know about it. Right. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's what's important to me when I go on Fox. Or, well, that's or, unusual in the news because <laughs> they come across as they know everything. That's exactly right. Tap Which, into our yeah. wisdom. And if you don't know it, act like you do. <laughs> that's, Give us some yeah. bull crap. <laughs> in politics, that's unfortunate part of it that I, I really hate the most. And I'm... My colleagues are exceptional. Uh, I'm the bottom of the totem pole, and I don't mind holding it up. Um, but for me, you know, I know who I am right. and the people I come from. And in my mind, that's who I'm talking to, right. not other people on TV. Right. And I think sometimes the pundits especially are almost talking to other people on TV. It's yeah. almost a battle of $10 words. And I don't have that that kind of a vocabulary to begin with. Right. So yeah. I can't go there, and I'm not going to try. That's a yeah. good thing. Damn, stay in your lane, bro. That's it. Let's take uh, one last break. So uh, one of the things I was asked about was the uh, I was looking on some of your uh, stuff where you're going to be on the podcast, and I noticed the uh, the boot up 
thing. Are you guys still doing that with the? Uh, yeah. The, so it, tell tell us about that. Tell part, our listeners about it. Part of my journey was I was the chief operating officer of a Texas-based nonprofit called Boot Campaign. Okay. And their premise back in 2011, when social media first took off, was to get celebrities to wear combat boots and do a picture and publicize it to show they supported the military. And we worked with people in Hollywood, Nashville, and all over. I think we did something. I think you did that. too. Yeah, I think you did too. We did. I don't think we did. And yeah. um, and it was great. Well, they worked with Marcus Luttrell, and and yeah. you know how Texas is. Like it, when you're in, you're in. Yeah. Everybody's going to support it. Right. And uh, so I still support that nonprofit, and I'm actually wearing a shirt right now that says "You Matter." And uh, with all the things that people argue about mattering, it's pretty easy to say "You Matter." And and yeah. so I still help them out as much as I can, and I really. They basically fund uh, treatment for veterans that can't get what they need through the VA and stuff like that. Because I know your wife had, was involved. She works there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that she, she still works yeah, there. Yeah. I, I saw a picture on the internet. So I ordered a hat to wear today. I was going to wear the hat Uh-oh. today, but I waited too late. <laughs> so I'm going to wear it on a future podcast <laughs> That'll and, work. and talk about it so folks We're appreciative can of that. remember that. Uh, one of the things I wanted to mention is uh, to your audience Absolutely. is. Uh, is Dad's new book, Jesus Politics, which you can get on Amazon or, or wherever you get books. And this is the audio version, in, uh, which there's a professional actor, Dad, that Oh, I was fixed book. to ask if you, if you did that. I yeah. just said... T- tell about I, when you did your first book. I, I, mean, just, I just told them, get somebody else to... <laughs> I, I did that, too. That that was a crazy experience, to sit there in a booth for three days. Wow. And, yeah. and it's like, very difficult. Yeah, I've done I, several books. It sounded easy. But I don't know. It kind of. I mean, there's no room for any stutters, mistakes, mispronunciations. It's no. I should have just got some. I just said do I don't want to do that. So they, what is the? I didn't know they had an actor to do it. Yeah, they did. What's the definitive statement of of the book Jesus Politics? Basically, uh, here's a good place to go. I was going to mention this this morning. Uh, Because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Here's a lifestyle that I tried to put forth in that book. A lifestyle. Kingdom, Jesus being the king, we're members of the kingdom, holy nation, priesthood. God give to each person according to what is done, so it's required of us to do something as members of the kingdom of God inside a democratic constitutional republic. Those who by persistence in doing good, you're like, that's <laughs> it. Those who do that, seek good, doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he'll give eternal life. Just uh, seek doing good. Uh, But for those who are self-seeking and reject the truth, Jesus died, was buried, raised from the dead, and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. Well, if you look at that, you say, well, what are you saying in your book? Just get up and do good. <laughs> Today, we got up. I've heard no 
no uh, uh, verbal outbursts, profanity, uh, <laughs> immorality. No, we're all in the duck blind and it's raining on us. <laughs> we're waiting on a duck to fly by. You say, there's no mischief there. No. There's no... Yeah. Now, yesterday, si, there's no division. Uh, and yesterday, Sai was right up to the line of verbal <laughs> during the argument. Did that argument reprise today? I was well, curious because I, I told Joey it's probably going to come up again. Well, they usually sh- these things are retread for a couple well, of days. We had we had the evidence of the of the bunch. For some of you who don't know, we had an argument on our last podcast. Y'all talked about yeah, it. yeah. and uh, so you would think visual evidence. It's the same reason people have cameras so as security. Because once you see it, you say, oh, well, we got proof. But Let si, me guess. So he claimed one of your ducks. Or you, so is that what happened? Well, he claimed all them, them all. <laughs> uh, but the deal, how to be good in the midst of a lot of evil. How to be good, Joey, in the midst of a law in an evil world. That basically is the thrust of it. Yeah. It's kind of the idea about getting further upstream from politics and looking at this yeah. thing from a from a higher view before that's you right. get into that. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the thrust of because Dad laid out in Theft of America so which is last book, mm-hmm. here's the problem. This is the problem with America. Here's what I see is and it's all about the evil one. And yeah. he controlled all these institutions, all these different things. Mm-hmm. So this book is like if we live like this We'd probably have a better society and a better, better culture. I mean, I don't see the downside in loving God and loving your neighbor, living a quiet life, mind your own business, work with your hands, so you won't be dependent on anybody. That's Bible verses. It looks like to me. <laughs> I think we ought to try it, <laughs> or go back to it, however you want to phrase it. You know what I'm saying? It's rare that the solution to complex problems isn't pretty simple. It's just yeah. it's scary. It's, it takes a lot of um, faith, and people run short of faith these days, and I don't know why. You know, and it's funny, though. We yep. talked about it today on, on the podcast from two perspectives, Joey. So you look at us in the description of how we started. You heard hard work, faith. You know, it, it took a process, a yeah. long time of learning that. And when you were describing what you did to go from being a, a bomb tech to, to wind up doing what you do today— when I look around and I see these folks that basically a lot of them, they, they live at their parents' house still. They go out and, and it's just mischief and mayhem and all these different things. And the one thing you're lacking is that idea about what do we do to better ourselves and build up our yeah. society. Everything's just about burn it down, tear it off. You know what I'm <laughs> literally, saying? Right literally, right. Literally, yeah. literally, which is a They're shame. mad, but I don't think they know. Why they're mad? That's exactly that's, right. That's absolutely right. You, you know, they just uh, there's it's, no hope, there's no faith, there's no well, love. Good, and, and you're trying to share the recipe with them. It's like you know, Kay is I think one of the greatest cooks on the earth. I mean, we'll all agree with that. The, the last person we we had as a guest ate that banana. You were telling me ate the banana pudding, and it was just like stopping. Like. That's the greatest thing I've ever, ever eaten. <laughs> Which, by the way, we're having today. Too. Oh, are we? we are. That's, That's exciting. Oh, jambalaya and banana pudding. Yes, exactly. well, we I, got jambalaya what? and banana pudding waiting on us. Why are we running our mouth? Well, well let me, we're, we're still not finished yet. I, I, uh, <laughs> I may be on several more of these podcasts because oh, yeah. I don't know if you're getting rid of me. After this, this is the like, better part of to, the Skype. You're actually here. To finish that thought, if if the, to achieve that greatness, you need the recipe. And, you know... Miss Kay's kind of particular about handing that out. But I think from a country, a lot of people, 
you know, the reason Phil writes a book like that, because a lot of people are like, yeah, they're fed up. They're like, well, how do we achieve greatness? So I'm, I'm glad you infuse Jesus in the political world because, you know, I usually just look at that as a hopeless situation and stay out of it. But Well, and the thing about politics is if we would just pull back the method and talk about the motivation, why do you care? Yeah, you know, yeah. And that's when the political will goes full spectrum. And you can find a lot of grace in that. And so, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of um, I don't have a lot of arguments anymore. Because I don't have time for that, and it doesn't go anywhere. But I'll have a conversation yeah. with anyone about anything. And I go into every conversation with the humility to learn. I may not have my mind changed, but I'm either going to learn where they're coming from and why, or I'm going to learn more about why I have the per, the perspective I have. There's nothing bad can come from that. Yeah. Uh, but we, we don't live in a, in a society that wants to talk and have grace right yeah. now. Right. Right. Yo, you're referring, it sounds like Second Timothy 2.24, mm-hmm. Lord's servant must not quarrel, flee from foolish and stupid arguments, is right. what he says before then. He right. said, don't argue. You know, be able to teach, kind to everyone. Yeah. Just point them to Jesus, hoping God again and repentance. Right. So... Well, that's what I, you know, I follow Joey on Twitter, and uh, you're very engaging to the people that follow you, and, and your tone is, is good, because Twitter can be, you know, <laughs> the wild, wild west, as we both know. Uh, so check him out on Twitter, oh, uh, Proud it. American, uh, for unashamed listeners, check it out, it's a great podcast. Also, your show on Fox Nation, which is Fox Nation Outdoors, as I we am, said. I am a professional novice hunter. <laughs> <laughs> I professionally learned to hunt. And the one I saw that uh, uh, who was it? Couture that was that so, somebody yes. ran you across. <laughs> you were on their back. He was going across the uh, what's the river in the the North Platte River. North Platte Nebraska. River, and that's what an invitation to me looks like. Hey, would you like to come hunting? And then you get there, and it's like and carry me across the river. <laughs> so so tomorrow he's heading up to South uh, Dakota to hunt with the governor. Yes, uh, mm. which is really exciting. Uh, uh, Nome. Yes, yeah. Christy, You're going yeah. from hunting in a tropical storm. <laughs> there was a tropical storm today. <laughs> now let's go to South. And you talk about beers to beauty. I mean, yes. you know, she's an attractive yes. lady and a, and a great governor. And so you're going from this motley crew <laughs> to that. That ought to be an interesting transition. It's, it's quite the transition. Next time you're on the podcast, you'll have to tell us how that worked. I'd love to. Hopefully, it'll be fruitful. But uh, uh, today was fruitful, in my opinion. So good. Well, we appreciate you being here. We're going to eat some jambalaya. Yes. And some banana pudding. Yes, sir. And uh, so we're going to go enjoy some of that. Proud Americans like Phil, Cy, Jace, and Al remind us that few things rival faith and family when it comes to living a full life. I'm honored to call the Robertsons my friends and now my hunting buddies. To hear more stories like this, visit foxnewspodcast.com. I'm your host, Johnny Joey Jones, and thanks for listening. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.